Welcome back to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Today we're taking a look at Guardians first baseman Josh Naylor and breaking down his 2023 season, looking ahead to what to expect from Josh in 2024. And Hoinsey, uh, just uh, just looking at Josh's performance in 2023, this was a, a huge breakout season for for Naylor. He was uh, every bit as uh, as valuable to them uh, at the plate as uh, as Jose Ramirez was, uh, and it was evidenced by you know when he had to go on the injured list for uh, a month and and miss some time, uh, basically the entire month of August. Um, it, it really showed that's when the the Guardians offense which had been, you know, sort of finding itself there, uh, you know, late in the season, uh, really, you know, lacked any sort of punch and any sort of power uh, without Naylor in the lineup. Uh, just just how valuable was he to the Guardians at the plate in 2023? Yeah, Joe, there was <laughs> there's not a bad thing you could say about Naylor, uh, you know, from uh, from, uh, on, from just from the way defensively, offensively, you know, he really was a cornerstone to that offense. He was, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez's bodyguard. Uh, you know, he set uh, career high in uh, RBIs for two years running. Joe, he has set, he has set and reset his career high in home runs and RBIs. So uh, that just shows you that he's he's on an upward uh, trajectory. That's a big word for me. <laughs> You're playing crosswords, or what are you what are you doing right yeah. now? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would say, uh, I mean, he. He hit uh, what 20 home runs in 2022. He hit 17 home runs in yes. in 2023, but uh, but he would have definitely eclipsed that 20 home run mark, and you know maybe even been up over 25 home runs uh, had he stayed healthy and, and been on there. But it's the 97 RBIs I think that that really sort of jump out at you uh, from from last season and the way he was uh, able to uh, be a run producer and 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 be effective at the plate in in clutch situations. When they needed him to to come through with with hits, not just home runs, but you know uh, taking the ball the other way as well, we saw that uh, you know he was he was able to do whatever he uh, he was willing to do whatever was necessary uh, to get a run home for his team. Uh, and you know we saw Tito say on a number of occasions when he cut down on that swing when he wasn't swinging so his helmet was popping off. Uh, we saw him, you know, much more effective and, and he sort of that that sort of clicked after the first month of the season. I think uh, the first month he batted uh, 212 uh, in, in April and March. And then, uh, you know, he was up over well over 300 uh, for, for most of the rest of the season uh, with his batting average. And, and that's that was really sort of a, a telling statistic for him. Yeah, Joe, on May 14th, this guy was hitting 214, and he turned it around and ended the season hitting 308, uh, 31 doubles, 17 home runs, 97 RBIs. And from uh, the uh, clutch gene, like you were talking about, he hit 363 with runners in scoring position, 53 for 146, five home runs, and 77 RBIs. So, you know, he was uh, in high leverage situations, you know, according to a baseball reference, uh, he had 311 with five homers and 54 RBIs. So he, you know, he, he just didn't beat you with the, with the long ball, Joe. He, you know, he, he had this swing down where, you know, he got clutch hits, you know, singles up the middle. He went the other way. You know, he just, uh, he was really, he was locked in, uh, since, uh, you know, from, from late May on. 
and uh, just uh, did a remarkable job. And, you know, if his numbers, you know, you just wonder what his numbers would have been if he could have, you know, played that full month of August because you had certainly his absence certainly hurt the uh, hurt Cleveland because they went 11 and 16 in August and basically, you know, dropped out of the race. That's when the twins uh, locked up the AL Central. Right. And he uh, he produced a. Um, a 128 uh, weighted runs created plus, and that's the uh, the stat on Fangraphs that that really shows how much value you have in terms of run creation and you know driving in runs, producing runs that way. Uh, he did he wasn't qualified because he didn't have enough at bats uh, during the season to to qualify for uh, you know league leaders in uh, you know batting average, RBIs, those kind, kinds of things. But but among uh, qualified hitters. Uh, he would have ranked in the top 20 in all of baseball uh, with that 128 weighted runs created plus uh, right up there with guys like, uh, you know, Luis Robert, Cody Bellinger, uh, Marcelo Zuna. Uh, you know, those those are the guys just outside the top 10 uh, in, in baseball. So, yeah, his his bat was valuable. Uh, and, and we also saw him uh, make strides defensively. You know, he, he, he was in there almost every day as the at everyday first baseman uh he, he got a lot of playing time you know we, we were uh, a full season removed from uh the injury uh to his ankle that that cost him the the 2021 the most of the 2021 season so uh you know he's starting to move better starting to you know not you're starting to not hold your breath when you see him uh you know having having to make certain movements on the field uh, it, you know, there's just a lot more trust in him physically that way, and it translated defensively. Yeah, he is really athletic. He, you know, around the bag, he he has that great stretch that you know the stretch when he you know goes out to get uh you know a, a throw to a, on a close play. He digs balls out of the dirt. He moves around a lot better than you think he does. So uh, you know that's a plus, Joe. And you know, offensively, just getting back to his offense, you know, he hit. Uh, he um and, and just well, at first base, you know, he, like most guys, I think he's a better he's a better all overall player when he's in the lineup. He had 326, 110 for 337 with 14 home runs and 69 RBIs when he played first base, uh, as opposed to a 259 with three homers and 28 RBIs when he was a DH. Yeah, that that idea that you know when I'm in the lineup and I'm I'm on the field and, and you know more engaged in the game that way I think he he sort of feels a responsibility to to be out there and and playing on the field uh, a little bit more with his teammates. It, this is a guy who from you know from everything we know about him and everything we've in, interacted with him he's he's the ultimate team player uh, in a, in a lot of ways and uh, the ultimate teammate the kind of guy that that you want to play for and play, uh, you know, with and alongside. So uh, I think that really showed throughout this season uh, in his commitment to his teammates. And uh, it was only really enhanced when, when his brother Bo came up and, and the two of them were in the lineup together. Yeah, that was fun. That was uh, what, maybe the first time since, you know, the Alomar brothers were in the lineup for Cleveland, you know, the regular, on a regular basis that we've seen that. So it was really cool. It was, uh, you know, uh, uh, Josh, you know, kind of handling the load in the middle of the lineup and Bull kind of 
feeling his way at the bottom of the lineup. And by, you know, what, uh, mid-September, they were, you know, they were both hitting. It was, it was really fun. That was, uh, that was a, had to be a great moment for the Naylor family. Yeah, and it gives you a, a, a really uh, hopeful glimpse into the future of what, you know, the lineup could be uh, with, with the two of them when they're both, you know, firing on all cylinders. Uh, I think that's, uh, and they're feeding off of each other. I think that's another thing is, you know, that's one of those intangible things where, where you see the energy uh, between them and it transfers to their teammates. And, uh, you know, the that, that clubhouse has a lot of fun when uh, the two of them are there. So, uh, sure, certainly a, a lot of positive things to, to take away from that this season. Uh, you mentioned his athleticism. Uh, I, there were a number of occasions this year where we're sitting in the, the press box watching and, and all of a sudden you see Josh Naylor take off for second base. And this is, <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, it, you know, he, he, he thinks he can steal every base. I don't think that there's a, a pitcher that Josh Naylor doesn't think he can steal a base off of. Yeah. And it's not like he's invisible out there, Joe. He's no. like he's like five eleven, about two hundred and fifty pounds. So it's it's hard to miss him. But you know, he I think just, you know, people, you know, kind of misjudge him sometimes. You know, they look at his size, they don't think he's gonna run, and he you know, catches him sleeping a little bit. Uh, you know, you know, that the one time in Baltimore where he stole third base, he kind of jammed his thumb. And that's the thing you worry about. You don't want mm-hmm. this guy getting hit when he's uh, or getting hurt when he's one of your top run producers. But, you know, you got to let the guy go, man. He's like the Tasmanian devil out there sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to put a leash on him. You don't want to put any constraints on him in any way. But you also want to, you know, make sure that he understands that his value goes beyond stealing one base. It goes beyond what you can do on the bases in in one particular instance. You you need him to be in that lineup on a consistent basis, and and I think that's the the sort of the next step in his evolution is, uh, you know, figuring out ways to to make sure he maintains that that uh, being available to the club. You, you love the the passion and the way that he he, he plays the game all out 100 percent of the time. I mean, you think back to the the 2020 season when he first joined the club. You know, and he's he's running like his hair's on fire uh, around the bases against New York in the playoffs and, uh, you know, hitting the ball all over the place. I think, uh, you know, and, and a, a lot of those, you know, emotional outbursts that we saw in the, the 2022 season that sort of uh, at, on one hand scared a lot of us and on another hand really endeared him to this uh, this fan base and this organization. Uh, you, you, you take, uh, you take all of that in, in the package with Josh, with Josh Naylor and you, you sort of understand that, that when he's going right, he's going to give you, uh, you know, a, a, a good, you know, sort of alternative or, or option behind Jose, uh, to, to, to sort of provide some runs and provide some power for this offense. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, these were his splits last last season, Joey. He had 311 against left against righties, 12 home runs, 75 RBIs, and this is the big one: 299 against lefties with five homers and 22 RBIs. In 2022, he hit 173 against lefties. So you know that's an improvement of over 100, um, over 120 points. So you know he was doing something right. He made some adjustments, and now you know that shows you that you know he can be in the lineup every day. Yeah, that's the thing uh, that. Um... You know, we knew that in the offseason between 2022 and 2023, he focused 
almost exclusively on hitting against left-handed pitching uh, and being more effective that way because he knew that he wanted to be uh, an option for Tito in the lineup every day. And and that was the case. He was, he and Quan were the, the guys that were, were consistently in the lineup against lefties, uh, even though they swung from the left-handed handed side, uh, you know, made it, made uh, Tito not have to sort of rejigger the, uh, uh, the entire lineup uh, just because of uh, where they were hitting. Uh, and, and that could be the case again, uh, you know, this season with, with vote, uh, you know, taking over and, uh, you know, he, he might have different ideas about uh, platoons and splits and all that. But uh, if you think about that, uh, the, the next option up behind him is uh, Kyle Manzardo, who also swings the bat from the left side. And he also is in a position where, you know, a couple of years ago, Naylor was uh, having difficulty hitting against left-handed pitching. So uh, where does, where do you see that, um, that sort of the two of them mix in there with the DH uh, first base sort of spot uh, what do you think the the options are for Naylor with with Manzardo sort of making a push now after a uh, a, a really successful uh, stint in the Arizona Fall League? Yeah, I think uh, he'll be in spring training, Joe. I think they'll invite him to spring training as a, you know as an invitee. Um, I I would I, I you know I I'd be surprised if he starts out of the gate. You know in in Cleveland, I think uh, he'll probably you know would go to Columbus and play there and get settled there. And then, but I think we'll definitely see him at some point uh, in 2024. And uh, I think they'll, they, they can find, they, they'll find a happy medium with Naylor and, uh, and uh, you know, Manzardo. Uh, if that's the case, if that's the way this thing breaks down between, you know, first base and DH. What would a successful 2024 season look like for Josh Naylor now that, uh, you know, these expectations have, have, have been raised to this level of, okay, he's, uh, he's the middle of the order bat. He's, you know, a guy who could drive in close to 100 runs. He's a guy who can drive in, you know, more than, uh, you know, hit 20, 20 or more home runs. Uh, the expectation levels have been, have been raised. What's, uh, what's a successful 2024 for Josh Naylor? Like like anybody else, he's got to stay on the field. Let's let's see him over 100 for 150 games, 145, 150 games. Let's see what he can do. Uh, you know that's the big thing. If he does that, Joe, and he hits like he did this past season, you know this guy's an all star. You know he's he's uh, he's going to be a a a, a, pr- a prime middle of the order hitter. That's going to, you know, really that'll can carry an offense, you know, for a week or two weeks. Uh, he's but uh, health is the big thing. We've seen him battle health in what, 2021. We've seen him do it again. He kind of, you know, miss miss a month and uh, miss August this past season with the oblique. Let's let's hope he uh, he just stays and sh- stays healthy and uh, really, you know, kind of just gives you a full season. And, and a full season of Josh Naylor is going to be uh, probably just what uh, the Guardians ordered. Yeah, it's uh, a, a lot to look forward to if, if he is able to stay healthy, if he is able to, to sort of play off of uh, his, his brother and, and, and sort of get the energy, you know, that way going uh, and, and sort of fuel this lineup. Uh, you know, and, and, and Bo is working his way up the lineup, I think, uh, and, and, you know, soon we'll be hitting uh, close to behind Josh in, in, in the order as well. Uh, I think there's there's uh, room for him to grow into that sort of role as well. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is where 
I think 2024 is the year where he becomes an all-star, where he becomes a, you know, a guy who contends for a silver slugger award. Uh, right now he is a finalist for, uh, the all MLB team. Uh, you know, there are a lot of options there, um, at first base, uh, among the finalists that, that, that could be considered. Uh, I think he's a long shot for first or second team, uh, this year, but, but who knows, uh, you know, like you said, if he's able to, to turn in a full season, a uh, full healthy season, uh, you know, those, uh, those doubts could be erased heading into the off season next year in, in, in 2024. Uh, he's under, uh, I think this will be his second year of, of, of salary arbitration. He's under team control. Uh, at least through, uh, 2026, he doesn't become a free agent until then. He's arbitration eligible in, in 2024. So, uh, you know, two more years of arbitration eligibility. Uh, so a big, uh, a, a big season here for him, uh, where he could come out and if he, he duplicates what he was able to do at the plate last year, uh, you're right. You're talking about, uh, you know, an upper echelon, uh, hitter at first base in the American league. Yeah. I mean, uh, Listen to this, Joe. When he was hitting third this past season, he had 309, two home runs, 18 RBIs. When he hit fourth, he had 319 with 11 home runs and 68 of his 97 RBIs. So, you know, this guy is made to hit in the middle of the lineup. You know, he he doesn't strike out a lot. He's not a hundred strikeout guy. Uh, you know, you look at his uh, you know look at his numbers uh, year by year. You know, he you know he he controls the strike zone. He makes contact, uh, and he doesn't have to, he does not have to hit the ball out of the park to beat you. But he he also hit on top of uh, his uh, uh, seventeen home runs. He hit thirty one doubles. So this is a dangerous guy. Yeah, I, I think. Uh... Any team that that comes into town that that's facing the Guardians, obviously the first uh, name that you circle on that roster on that uh, lineup in the batting order is Jose Ramirez, and and you can tell uh, teams, you know, we're not going to let Jose Ramirez beat us. Well, if that's the case, then you're putting Jose Ramirez on base with with in, intentionally walking him, you know, among the league leaders. I think he was uh, he might have led the uh, the American League in intentional walks. Uh, but if that's the case, then Josh Naylor is the guy who has to beat them. Uh, Josh Naylor is the guy uh, for Cleveland who has to step up and, and make them pay. And and for the most part, he was able to do that, uh, you know, last season. Uh, that just needs to continue. Uh, he needs to continue to grow and and understand his spot in the lineup and how he can and can most effectively, uh, you know, support his, his, a guy like uh, you know Jose Ramirez and and make the players around him better. I think that's something that. Uh, that Naylor's been able to do over the last two seasons. He's grown into a, a leadership role. We've seen it in the clubhouse. Uh, he's sort of that guy uh, that they feed off of uh, away from the field and, and in the clubhouse. Uh, he's, he's the one that they sort of look, especially the younger players, look to for, for a leadership role. And it's not like he's, he's stepped up and, and said, hey, I'm the leader now. It's, it's sort of it's just a natural thing uh, that the other guys in the clubhouse do. Yeah, yeah, he is, uh, you know, he's proven that, you know, by the way he handles himself in the clubhouse and what, by the way he's produced the last two years. Joe, I'm wondering if, um, you know, he's got four years, he's four years into this, his career, two years left to control. Is it too late for Cleveland to offer him a multi-year deal or would uh, he still be open to it 
because his brother is, is on the on the ball club. It's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how that unfolds because a lot of players, when they get this close to free agency, like he's going to be one year away at the end of 2024, you know, mm-hmm. and then, then that's, uh, you know, usually it's sayonara then, you know, they're, they're, they're right. that close to free agency. They want to test the market, but you know, this might be the last chance Cleveland has of, of locking this guy up if they think it's, you know, he's he if they want to do it. Yeah. Do they does the organization commit to a a very Naylor centric uh, core for the next uh, several years? Do they offer him a, a long term contract that, that that covers, you know, at least their control of both through that uh, that time? I mean, obviously, a lot was made about how uh, they manipulated Bo's service time last year to, to keep him uh, an extra year longer. So, uh, you know, that it stands to reason that it might might be used as leverage to, to try and keep uh, uh, Josh here as well. I, I, you know, who knows how the, the a player responds to that sort of tactic? Uh, you know, it, does that cause hard feelings between him and the organization or not? But uh, I, I think Josh is 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 happy you know, uh, being here and, and being in Cleveland, uh, would just like to see if, uh, if, if there's anything extended, uh, again, we, we don't know. We don't know if, uh, Anthony and Chernoff have, have sat down and, and tried to negotiate anything yet or made an offer. Uh, that's something usually that, that happens around spring training. Uh, it, you know, so maybe if, uh, before the, uh, the start of the season happens, they, they make an announcement that they're, they're looking to do that, that that's something that could, could happen for sure. Yeah, it'd be really it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, if if Josh, you know, wants to stick around and play with his brother a little longer than then or if he's going to, you know, bump up against free agency and take the plunge. So it'll be it'll be it's just going to be kind of interesting to see how it unfolds. Well, well, by then, maybe um, the youngest brother, Miles, will be uh, on the way up with the uh, the athletics. <laughs> Who knows if they'll be in uh, in Oakland or if they'll be in Las Vegas or not. Maybe he wants to to head out to Las Vegas and play with the youngest brother as well. It's uh, uh, I, I can tell you this from being around Josh and, and, and interacting with him. Uh, he wants to do uh, the right thing and, and be a leader and, and be a good teammate. And uh, his family is the most important thing to him. So uh, whatever he decides to do moving forward, it's, it's going to be guided by those principles. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's just been fun to watch him over the last couple of seasons produce at the plate and, you know, hopefully he does stick around in Cleveland moving forward. All right, that's going to wrap up our look at Josh Naylor, uh, a deep dive on him for the uh, 2023 and into the 2024 season. Uh, we'll be back uh, later on this week with uh, more, uh, you know, looks at the, the Cleveland roster and what to expect from them uh, moving forward here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Hoinsey, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.